Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Uh, you may have seen that part two of our Live at the Sugar Club with Owen and Roman from The Ditch is out now. Uh, the third part is out on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, he says cheekily. Well, we've got some news there. We will be back in the Sugar Club in September, and the pre-sale tickets link is in the podcast you're listening to right now. And if you are a member at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, there's a discount code there for you. So check your inbox and grab the tickets before they go on full release. I just want to say thank you as well to everybody for the feedback to the CAMS podcast that we did. I know it was a difficult listen, but I do believe it was a very necessary conversation. And I want to say thanks everybody for the feedback. And finally, one more reminder, please join us. Click the link. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's the easiest bit of activism you can do every month. It helps us keep the mics on and have conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn. And I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by a great crew of people um, from the north side and south side of Dublin who are, are doing um, incredible work around housing conditions and residents also who are living in uh, poor housing conditions. And we're going to talk about the impact of living in those conditions and also what can be done around organizing and campaigning on them. And as listeners would be familiar, I have my own background in working in um, Dublin City Council housing, working for six years in Dolphin House and Dolphin's Barn. And shout out to anyone who is um, from Dolphin House. I still have some listeners who are there um, and worked for a number of years with community groups in Fatima Mansions and, of course, Ballymun as well. Paddy's here um, and tenants groups who are campaigning and highlighting the issue of substandard um, housing conditions in city council flats for many, many decades. And of course, it does go back to the failure to value public housing and public housing tenants and the failure to invest in maintenance. Um, and so we're going to hear now first from um, Jack Ferguson, who is from the CATU, um, New Community Action Tenants Union. And he's just going to talk about, in terms of what they're doing, what they're organizing. And then we're going to talk to Anne-Marie, uh, who's from David House, and then go to um, Ballymun. And we feel a bit a bit, bit like a Eurovision Song Contest going to the different areas. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll have a bit of crack as well. So I'm looking forward to this. Jack, thanks a million um, for working on this and initiating it. And uh, uh, delighted to have you here on Reboot. That's fantastic, Rory. Thanks for having uh, having us on. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. I suppose the the chat and to be able to talk uh, about the campaigns in the north and the south side of the city around public housing conditions and um, unionising um, in in blocks that that de- desperately need, I suppose, attention from the council and that have been neglected uh, for years as a result of which. So. I suppose just just a bit of a brief introduction. Uh, the the branch, the Crumlin Driven, the branch of the Tenants Union set up in 2020, 
Uh, and since then, you know, in the past three years, we now have membership of pro private renters, public renters, uh, and also some local homeowners in the area. So that's also people who are being evicted. You know, how many eviction notices are being served uh, this year with the eviction ban being lifted? And also private renters, everything from their, you know, uh, deposit being withheld, their maintenance being ignored, their landlord uh you know, serving an unruly eviction and sometimes a legal eviction also. But also, I suppose this year at the AGM, we proposed a motion as a branch to continue the work that's been done in the union on uh, universal public housing. Um, so demanding universal public housing uh, in the view of the tenants union is crucial for resolving the Irish housing crisis. And currently, you know, public housing is often underserved and ignored by an understaffed and underfunded local government. So, um, however, you know, tenants uh, know that they're being mistreated and uh, are ready and, and often, you know, the, these fights need to be collectivized and tenants are present in public housing blocks uh, are experiencing uh, a lack of funding due to the fact that the past couple of years there's been a, a billion around a billion euro underspent on housing and obviously if you look at that figure you see the amount of money that's obviously been not been spent on council maintenance or on, on upkeep uh, and also building housing so it's not just important to build public housing as a solution for the uh, for the housing crisis but also uh, to for public housing tenants that are currently living in public housing um, to unionize collective boys come together in residence committees uh, and and fight for their campaign for whatever local issues they feel is strongest and the demands of maintenance or, or whatever they feel is present in blocks and i suppose that with the union we kind of we've seen in the past and you know, we've looked, public housing tenants have been in the past and continue to be a crucial mobilizing force for collective action, studying the work kind of of the, the last national tenants organization that, you know, the grassroots can effectively make change from the bottom up. And, you know, therefore, with, with the union and one of the national campaigns this year, the other being around uh, an anti-eviction, national anti-eviction campaign, this campaign being around universal public housing, our prerogative should continue to be the kind of recruiting and organising public housing tenants as stipulated in kind of the motion that we outlined at the AGM. And kind of we, we want to continue uh, and for improved access and quality of public housing stock. Uh, essentially with public housing and land banks being sold off left, right and centre. Public housing tenants are often neglected and ignored due to the, the stigmatisation of the state of public housing tenants and also how, you know, privatisation has crept in with a neoliberal model. So, um, yeah, as I suppose, in to start it off with Davis, uh, we did a doorknock with the branch, the doorknock in March, uh of this year uh and so we were talking to tenants in david and obviously being from the area myself uh I, I just explain uh jack before you, you go on david david is david house in <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, not michael david not no, michael david but name <laughs> named a historical after, connection there an important one <laughs> named after michael david of the land league yes of course um and 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 david house i suppose was built post tenement in the 50s uh late 50s early 60s across from michael's estate in inchicore on the canal there um and i suppose david built 
post-tenement were mason f flats so bed sits uh on the bottom floors and two stories on the top um and obviously built post-tenement uh and and were kind of the first stock of public housing uh, the state built um and and since then i suppose you can see the way trimna and the area has changed over the years and if you look towards the canal that david is built on right next to david in the past two to three years there's a private development um with apartments going for 2000 for a one bed and up to a uh, 2400 euro for a two bed there um and there's a lot of i suppose uh facilities and uh that aren't being allowed for public housing tenants currently in that block as well um and i suppose if you look further up the canal you also see a lot of dereliction of land and proposed build to rent developments being set up along the canal um a large part of the canal is also being used to build the burj khalifa on james's street you know the most expensive hospital um we've seen yeah. being built uh, and so the area has become uh, gentrified and it's not just a roll on from dublin east we've seen it for a long time and it's it's you know it's it's very stark now all the housing projects nearly around dublin 12 are built to rent and the rents are stacking up and the area and the house prices are going up and people's issues uh, are being ignored and a dcc as a landlord for years on end and i'm sure Anne marie can attest to this have basically not come into to public housing blocks and have ignored tenants and their maintenance issues and their requests and obviously we've seen this year that there was a massive i suppose oversight with the amount of data and the use of Dublin City Council on the data for maintenance requests and everything these days is outsourced through uh you know a, a private company due to the fact that local depots aren't sufficiently staffed to deal with maintenance requests and again when you talk to Dublin City Council and you say why are the depots uh not fully staffed where are the staff where are the plumbers where are the electricians where are the carpenters where where are the public workers the the response that you'd get from dublin city council oh well, it's central government who set the wages and set the price for public uh you know for for public wages and we're finding that very hard to recruit but I, I honestly haven't seen an apprenticeship scheme for young people to come in and, and take up these trades or I haven't seen a big recruitment drive like we saw for Dublin bus not so long ago for for Dublin City Council workers so I, I honestly feel like you know public housing you're seeing the beginnings and, and Ballymun can attest to this uh, extremely the public private partnership has always been a solution to the failure of the state for providing public housing and appropriate housing for tenants and i suppose my family came from public housing stock in the liberties and and across dublin and, and gilbarrick and we're seeing now more than ever that public housing is not being viewed as a solution to the uh, to the housing crisis you'll pass it off to a vienna uh, vienna model through uh, an approved housing body and you know the vienna model of public housing built by an approved housing mod, uh, housing body isn't public housing built by uh, public laborers for a public company it's 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 just i suppose where we're seeing the, the lapse in judgment but by, by dublin city council and other councils across the country in a failure to build public housing they're relying on the private market and private builders uh to take this 10% uh figure but i suppose uh, yeah sorry yeah Larry. just yeah no no i i think you provided a very impressive overview 
um, an introduction in terms of, you know, you know, where public housing has been and it's undermining and the importance of quality public housing and maintenance is something that, you know, hasn't been given focus. And I know within the housing crisis, there's almost a certain amount of, well, aren't you lucky you have housing and a roof over your head? And, you know, what are you doing to be given out about conditions? Um, but if it's all right, Jack, I'm going to go to Anne-Marie first. Um as a resident of David House in Drimna. Anne-Marie, do you just want to introduce uh, yourself and tell us a bit about yourself and, and David House? Okay, I'm Anne-Marie. I'm from Block A. We have two blocks in David House, there's not just the one. Um, I have lived in one of the bedsits as well in here. So I have. I was a former bedsit owner. I did a swap and now I live in a two-bedroom. So yeah. there's me, my husband and my four kids that live in the two-bedroom flat. Now, what we're fighting for, essentially, is we want insulation, we want double-glazed windows, and we want a GMS system. We have single-glazed windows, so the conversations in the mornings are pretty bad. Um, yeah. we, have, we have no GMS, so if anybody needs to get in, or even ambulance, you can't get in. You can get out here, but you actually physically can't get in unless you have until someone comes. So that won't happen. And you went there, Amory. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. If you go on, you got to um the bit where the GMS, I don't know what that is. What is that? That's a GMS system is like um it's a system that like most new apartments have and stuff like that. It's where you can buzz in or put oh, a yeah. number to come in the gates. We don't have yeah. that in here. So if someone ring if you don't know someone and they're coming to visit or if you need an ambulance or anything and you can't get out to the, the gate to let them in, they're not getting in. It's sweet and simple. They're not getting in. And the Dublin City Council, we said that to them and they said if an ambulance and the fire brigade needs to get in, they can run the gates. That there were the official words, yes, I'm not making it up. They can ram the gates and then they can get in. So, yeah, we have no way of pe people can get out, but you can't get in. That's so, incredible. I use the, yeah, I use the HSC from my daughter's nappies. So, they have my number now to ring me if they're delivering the batch of nappies because she's feeling continence. So, if they're, if they don't ring me, they can't get into my gate to deliver my, uh, yeah. To the nappies and the insulation because we have no insulation these flats are reason you will be and, wearing and this is, yeah this is an issue across dublin city council yeah. flats that are from the 1950s 60s and 70s the the lack of insulation and and the i remember when i was working in dolphin house a major oh, problem yeah. that that condensation and then the growth of mold um yeah, and the council i, I don't know whether they do it with you blaming the residents for not wiping they, away the con condensation or no, the they used to blame me in the bed in the bed they used to blame me it was like no don't put your clothes on the rod they pour in vent in oh it has to be because there's too many people living in here the overall crowd was because of dublin city council but now i've moved up to the bigger flat Um, i have mold coming out of my attic it's actually on my attic wall Um, i have mold around my windows and um, my windows are constantly open um, I have I had broken windows for a while, which it took me nine years to get one window fixed, which they fixed the other day because we're kicking up a fuss. Let's be honest. Nine years. Nine years. They couldn't fix that window in my daughter's room. And I told them that another one was broke. And because she has autism, she sat on it and goes, Mommy, look at it. 
Now, I forced it to her. She was being the pain. I'm not going to lie. That's horrible. But, yeah, now she found out that there was another window broken. And it took me nine years to get them fixed. And it was a 45-minute job. 45-minute job that I'm fighting nine years for. Then we were getting the bathroom done. The bathroom has been the toilet blocks and leaks anyway. So they knew about that. So my wall's soft under in the hall. But the bathroom started leaking there on the 17th of April. So I called them out. And finally, this week, we're getting the new bathroom in. Yay! Uh, I should be grateful, as they say. Yeah, but now it's it's not. Like, it's, it's hard when you're trying to bring up kids. Yeah. And you try to... How do you put it? You're trying to bring up kids and try to raise them right and do everything right. And then it's so heartbreaking when you feel like you can't provide for them because you're obviously paying your rent and doing everything right and getting people in to do it because I've got people in to fix stuff in here, live wires and all. But it's heart-wrenching when you can't actually make it better. And for a 45-minute job that I would have loved nine years ago, it took like it took nine years to fix a window. That's absolutely shocking. To live and watch the mould and to tell people, people look at you and think you're lying. You're not. Like I am grateful. I am so grateful. I have a roof over my head and I don't live on the streets and I can't get affected. That's what I'm. I'm grateful for 110. percent I can't say anything more about that. Like because I am. I I pee anyone that's homeless or sleeping on the streets. But for the DCC to not actually give a damn about anybody. That's a good tenant. Like, I've no antisocial behavior. I've never been in trouble. I've always told the truth. Like, if you walk into our flats, it looks derelict, uh, needs paint, needs trees cut. Um, There's people drinking out in the back with cans. Like, I came from Dolphins Barn, so I've seen all the drugs. I'm not being bad. I've seen all the drugs. I've seen how it was down in Dolphins Barn. But I had, and this sounds terrible, I'd a better security when I was in Dolphins Barn years ago than where I am now. Like, my kids don't go out. I have four kids. They are not allowed out on their own. So they do not leave this flat, which is two bedrooms, which can be hard. And why do you not leave them out? There's a lot of antisocial behaviour in our block. Like, people coming in drunk and... Yeah, fights and stuff like that. They've my ten year old has seen a little bit too much that I don't want her to see because obviously I grew up in flats and I didn't want my kids to see it. So yeah, and obviously the little one has autism, so she'll talk to anyone. Three year old will go and talk to anyone as well. No fear, no danger in her because yeah. they're kids. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I can't, I can't leave them out at all. If I do go out to it, it's either me or my partner with them. Constantly, they are never allowed to go out alone at all. At all, at all, and I wouldn't send them out alone. Four children, and you mentioned earlier that two of them have autism. Um, yeah. In a two-bedroom flat, yeah, in a place that you cannot leave, that must yeah. be really, really tough. It can't. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna pretend that I I smile through everything because that's the type of person I am. But my mental health went down the absolute shitter, and that's not a word of a lie. Yeah. Um, I try to stay positive, which I'm not homeless, so that's the way I stay positive. I'm not homeless. I do thank my lucky stars that I'm not, and I'm not one of them people getting evicted. But to be a council tenant, like I'm council tenant with them on my own council tenant since 2000, 4th of April, 2010. When you ring up maintenance, it's like you're begging to get something fixed that you yeah. 
literally didn't do like I didn't break when I moved in that window was broke we did a swap over that window was broke they told me to come and fix it and then like nine years later they were able to fix it because we're kicking up a fuss we shouldn't have to kick up a fuss to be listened to no we no. we shouldn't we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to be like literally. There's some days that I can be great, but then there's other days it does, and it actually messes with your mental health. I'm not gonna lie. Like when you're scrubbing, like yesterday, I tried to clear rooms around. There's not much to change because I only have two rooms. <laughs> so the three girls are in the back, but I cleaned off the mold as best as I could in their room. Yeah. There's a sticker rolling off the wall because of the dampness. Now they. They think if they pour in vents, it's going to make it all better. They think it's going to make it all better, but I don't think it is. So their, their plan is pour in vents and everything will be sorted and everything will be grand. Yeah, it, it's, it again shows the importance of why, you know, you need to treat housing as a human right, which we don't yeah. do. No, and a don't. human right, a human right to housing and, and treating it like that means that it's not just that people have access to it, but actually that it's of decent standard. Like mold and dampness and that is a breach of human rights. Yeah. Um and a breach of the council's obligations um under, you know, the United Nations and, and human rights. And that was part of our campaign in Dolphin House. Um in in to put it the other side, is there positives with living in David House? You said the positive is obviously you have the security of tenure. Oh, you have tenure evicted. Is there community there? You know, in, in well, the... I have it now. I have to say, I have a few neighbors in here that I could absolutely not live without. Yeah. Um. There's a fella called Christy down the uh, down there. Like he, oh, he's absolutely fabulous. Christy, you'd be delighted there. you gave him a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think he knows, but yeah, no. But there's a few people in here that, like, literally, if they weren't here, I couldn't live here now. If I'm being truthfully honest, now in my block there is no kids. Uh, young kids so my kids are the only young kids at the moment so yeah but even with the next block like I have to say I bring my kids out so I do I bring them to the park and try to get them a run around like my little fella didn't start walking until he was like 19 months because we have no room for him to walk around in the flat but but the positives I take out I have good neighbours there's a safe um i have i have good night na- like some of my neighbors i I like literally if you could just make it bigger for me and knock out half the anti-social behavior i'd stay here because when i moved here in april 2010 i loved it i'm not going to lie i loved it i i if you told me that i'd be saying now that i don't love it i wouldn't have believed you back then yeah yeah. So there is positives to take out of. Like it is night. Like it's like Dolphin's Barmos. It's like you can go and use the neighbor's toilets. You can ask for a bit of milk, a bit of sugar, stuff like that. You can still kind of do in these flats, which is kind of good to certain to certain neighbors. But like, no, it, it gets hard as they're getting older. It does get hard. I'm not gonna lie. And to keep the four of them in during the summer holidays, oh, I can't wait until school starts. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. I can only imagine. Listen, Amory, thanks a million um for you know setting that out so clearly and starkly in terms of of what you know the failure, utter failure of our state um to provide you know and an decent standard housing, which is their responsibility. Um, I'm going to go now to Ballymore. We'll come back to Amory. Jack, you want to come in there? Before you do, I, yeah. I suppose that the lay of the land. In, in Davit and, and the way it is 
Um, just to give you a bit of background context for 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 both blocks, there's block A and block B. Uh, there's 64 flats uh, between both of the blocks. 59 of those flats are occupied, and five are vacant and waiting to be filled. They're all getting uh, redone at the minute. Um, they have they're being you know they're being ripped out and, and put new in. Uh, you know the the maintenance and I suppose the retrofitting has already begun on those flats. But I suppose when we started. Uh, Dornock and, and and people from David joined the union in March of this year. They formed a, a, a committee, a residence committee with the tenants union. And, and from there, we've we've set out uh, three key demands and, and the three kind of key demands that we spoke to the local senior executive and also, I suppose, the the local, you know, the the ex sorry the executive the chief, city council the chief executive yeah. of housing and community about um we first had a, a meeting with the the local senior executive but uh we got a petition together i'd say in april uh of this year uh and everybody from the occupied 59 flats put their signature on this petition and it was delivered into the local council office in crumlin village and the three demands of the residence committee was the replacements of all doors uh, and windows with uh, with double glazed windows and composite doors. Doors and windows haven't been replaced in over 25 years in David. And as you know, the flats are on the canal. So the Lewis is going past, like, you know, the flats, the new built to rent flats next door to say that they would be built with single glazed windows um, is shocking. Like they, they got everything new put in. These haven't been replaced in over 25 years. So that kind of leads on to the, the next point about wraparound insulation or insulation for these flats that have had very little work externally and probably internally done to them since the the 50s 60s like the work that needs to be done to come up to standard um so the flats are obviously freezing cold and the heating builds with cost of living and everything have gone sky high um speaking with tenants who, who've kind of brought their heating bills to meetings and have overemphasized that everybody these are the three collective demands and and obviously uh Anne marie talked about it a little bit there is for an intercom intercoms to be reinstated because they were ripped out of flats there were there was a phone telephone system that was in flats and this was yeah. taken out um for no good reason um as i can see is uh, and they want intercoms to be reinstated and all homes to be provided with a fob or gsm registered system as, as amaria talked about there um and this is because of substandard substandard access um which has forced emergency services to literally climb over the gates of the complex while people who you know residents who are on the committee have 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 nearly faced you know serious consequences due to this they you know people who are gravely ill uh, waiting for emergency services to access the block and also you know people who are getting medication delivered people who are getting all sorts of of, of, of things like you know in the in the built rent development next door they have a concierge that takes your packets or your deliveries or anything yeah. for you you know th th these tenants Absolutely. can't even get no, access you know yeah, it's no, ridiculous. No, you're right you're right to contrast yeah. you know the conditions and the services in built rent with uh, public housing and say, well, why can't public housing tenants deserve, you know, the concierge and the proper standards and that. Listen, um, Jack, thanks, Mill. I will come back to you if you want to, you know, stick around and, and um, respond as well with a general chat after we we bring in Ballymun. Um, and I'm delighted now to bring in, I don't know which of them, there's a, a group here now. We have uh, Linda Donnelly, Natasha um, Dagger, I think it is, and Paddy 
uh, of course, and Juliana, who are there as well. And um, so I don't know who wants who wants to come in first and introduce. Obviously, I would say listeners are very familiar with um, Ballymun in terms of the long term uh, regeneration and the major issues and problems that were at the heart of that, but also positives um, and the community, the long standing community, strong community in Ballymun, but facing many, many challenges. So now who wants to come in first there? I'm in Ballymun since 1970. So it was basically, now Blaney cut the tape in 1966. And um, the uh, Ballymun was, was a wonderful community and uh, full of uh, p- people with uh, concern for the community and, and uh, the young people in the community. And there was over 100 clubs, different types of clubs and all sorts of activities for young people and old people. And the uh, it, it degenerated then, sort of in the eighties. They, they sort of uh, they got people to move out who who were able to buy houses. They subsidised them, and uh, the in in the depression as well. There was a lot of empty flats, mm. and gradually they stopped doing any maintenance whatsoever. And the, when the doors were damaged, they were taken off and. Uh, the lifts uh, were rarely repaired and people were carrying children and prams and groceries. They might, they'll go down, they might get down in the lift, but when they come back home, uh, there'll be no lift. And this yeah. was constant. And uh, you, when I come home from work, practically every evening I had to go up to McDonough Tower to report the lift broken again. And uh, part of it was that the private company who were getting millions weren't doing the job properly at all and there was no there was no accountability yeah and uh, so it then of course uh, the idea was to improve the flats and they put four million or so on it about butcher lane and refurbished a block of uh, eight-story flats there and give them concierge and uh, uh, doors uh, locked doors and the, the sort of brought the area up into more more secure area and safer area. Mm, yeah. But then somebody came along and obviously said that uh, it'll be more profitable for the government and the the council <laughs> to demolish Ballymoon altogether, and a sort of a, a gentrification of the whole council estate. And it it actually looked like and it has materialised as an effort to eliminate all public renting in Ballymoon mm-hmm. and uh, force everyone into private rental. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just that. It was also elimination of council tenants, basically, um, because the young people, they brought in a, a ban on rent support. So the young people in Ballymoon were not allowed to rent in Ballymoon if they were mm-hmm. dependent on any sort of rent support. That's and right, that yeah. was Noel Hearn's job. It was actually challenged when he came out forced and it was found to be illegal. But he got some bill passed to say that it could be used in regenerated areas. This was for social mix. That's right. And yeah, of course, the couldn't... social mix was yeah. that they replaced the flats and they didn't even replace them all. There was something like 2,800 flats and they built, they replaced them with 2,000 very shabby, poor standard housing. Mm-hmm. With which people have had nothing but trouble from day one. The the heating systems all broke down within three six months. The new so called heating systems, 
And people, again, even then, weren't getting them repaired. People over Christmas didn't even have central heating in some of the houses. But uh, there was few people realised they made such promises. There'd be a new shopping centre, there'd be neighbourhood centres, there'd be bowling alleys, there'd be whatever you wished you were going to get. Everyone was going to get everything they asked. And there's very few people realised that this couldn't be true because these were the very same people who allowed the flats to fall down and deteriorate uh, over over that period. And uh, surely the people who done that weren't, weren't able to regenerate Ballymun and they shouldn't have been allowed to do it. So uh, I remember Ballymun Echo and Barney Hartnett, I don't know if you ever heard of him, no, and myself <laughs> used to po- uh, publish issues attacking the BRL for what they were doing and what, what they were, uh, what they really were doing. That they were taking the people basically out of the out of the putting them from one disaster to another. Yeah, the, I, I do remember back then. All right, when it would have been two thousand and four, two thousand and five, when I I would have met you first and. I remember yeah. you were uh, critical of BRL, which was the regeneration kind of body overseeing um, the redevelopment of Ballymun. And of course, we at the same time when I was working in Dolphin House and Fatima Mansions were there and O'Devony Gardens, St. Teresa's Gardens, were all criticizing this kind of push from the council, essentially to privatize the land, to get rid of public housing tenants. And that was all back to you know the as you say that that overall policy was and of course it, you know it drives me bananas now and as i'm sure all of you does you know when the government now say that um oh we're trying to solve this crisis and their very policies created this crisis by moving away and essentially as as jack mentioned earlier the stigmatizing the demonizing of social housing and, and the, the giving up on social housing and social housing tenants um, and I remember at the time, you know, you know, you would have been there, Paddy, and others around um, tenants first, who were saying, you know, this this is a, a, you know, essentially a giveaway of public land, and it is about profiting private developers who wanted access to that really valuable land to build uh, the private apartments on it, and and all the other things were promised to communities to try and get them to to buy into it. But from the outside, a lot of people would, or not a lot of people, but some. Um, analysis of Ballymun would say, well, there was a lot of good housing built, but you're saying in terms of your experience, there are a lot of real issues with the the new housing that was built within the regeneration. Well, we we have we approved that now since we set up the branch of Katu here. The uh, we have been door knocking, and the state of the houses, the leaks, uh, broken toilets, broken showers. And and these are mostly elderly people. You see, the people who came out here in the early 60s, they're all in their 70s, 80s, and 90s now. And you can see how they have no respect for, for public housing people. They just want rid of them, as I say. They're, they're hitting the young people, and they're hitting the old people. There was planning permission for Treasury Holding to build a new shopping centre. It was all right, right to go. And according to Seamus Kelly and some other journalists, uh, when when Treasury Holden went to say we're starting, Kieran Murray said we didn't sign the bottom line yet, and I'm looking at another ten million. 
which meant that the shopping centre was not going to happen. In fact, I was interviewed by Brian Warfield at that time from RTE and asked, uh, it was all in the news that we were going to get this brand new state-of-the-art shopping centre. And it wasn't too long afterwards till it's, the whole thing was closed down. And obviously they never had any intention of building a shopping centre. No. But, but the old people now, because of the loss of the shops, they took off the, the, the buses, the local bus services, uh, and, and the only near shopping centre, Omni, they took the bus off that. And the old people are absolutely dying before their time because of the isolation loneliness. These people have to show, shop in the local spar because they put in a little there just a couple of years ago, but the, the older people are not able to walk to it. So they have to spend through the nose to, to buy all their groceries and that in the local spar. You know what I mean? So, yeah. The, and the people are distraught. We, like we were over there in Salogue, closed, and uh, we knocked on a few doors. And before long, there was about 10, 15, 20 people out on the street, like as if we were a knight in chain, knights in chain, an army that had come to free them. <laughs> And, and, and just uh, explain to listeners, Salog, there, what, what is that in terms of, is that housing uh, new, like, or well, not new, but regenerated housing, or was that older housing? And This is this is regenerated, because I said we we, we, we focus on that. Like an invalid woman, for example, had a shower there, and I think it was broken was four or six or eight years, and they never fixed it. And the other lady who had all her, hot, her taps were running hot water, uh, and our toilet was broken. Well, we actually, through the union, got that fixed. But uh, no, the, it's, it's incredible. Like the reception we got, like uh, a woman, I knocked on the door and a woman said to me, and what are you looking for? I said, I'm coming to give you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said, we're, we're coming, coming to try and see what issues you have here that needs repairs and what. And she sat down and filled in one of the the, the forms which we have uh, to bring to Dublin City Council, uh, things that, that haven't been done and should have been done. Yeah. It's quite remarkable, That's... the response of the people. Practically every house is up in arms. They're ready to explode. But they're, they were losing hope completely because they were just ignored by Dublin City Council. And there was Dublin City Council... The regeneration, one of the things done was they swallowed up the, the tennis association. They give some of the top people jobs. Yeah. And we, we, met, we met Jackie, and I said that to her, and she agreed with me. Uh, Jackie O'Reilly, she's in charge of the housing here in Ballymun. And uh, so oh, we, she said, we, she, we support you in trying to build up the association again, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's only lip service. Yeah, and of course. Yeah. More, she was more blaming the people. Oh, they, they, they weren't in, or they, they, or they, they, they didn't really complain about it, or they didn't. And the people blew in the face complaining and sending people up to complain, they wouldn't be able to walk up themselves, you know. Yeah, and no yeah. response, no response. Yeah, and it, I, I see here. There is it Linda and Natasha wants to come in there as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> going ahead. Yeah, hi, yes. And um, we basically went for the meeting and she was blaming the, the tenants because they were in rent arrears or they weren't coming over and showing their face and doing the work themselves. Now, they're trying to set up an ele electronic system in Ballymun so that yeah. when you ring up to complain, it goes straight to the complaints department of the complaint that you need done. 
But then we said, like, how long is it going to take? That was supposed to be done July this month. Yeah. There's still no ecosystem set up. And then they yeah. said, they were going, now I don't call backs to every person that we took. And they were like, no, no sign, no sign. Now I gave them a month before I do a callback to see how they're getting on, to see if DCC actually got up after backside and do their job. And they're like, no, it was like when I went over and um, I had antisocial behaviour at my door on the 18th of April and they smashed all me sitting around windows up in Hampton Moat in Finglas. Now I'm in my apartment 10 years and never once did I have any antisocial behaviour problems. My rent is paid every week. And I went down to meet with one of the staff, Brian, his name yeah. is. And he says, oh, I can only give you advice. There's nothing I can actually do for you. I says, so you're telling me I'm on the housing list 12 years and there's nothing you can actually do for me. So we got on to Rory Garvey. I don't know if you know him well for Shamble Street. He's a social worker. No, got on to him no. and he filled out social housing forms. Now, he said I had a very good case because it's gone to court with the neighbours. But then when I went back over and I met with Jackie Riley myself with my parents and she says, oh, we actually know you guys. I mean, that's caution on because we're over every week. Like, so there was something wrong with the new houses. Paddy had kind of jotted in there. We moved from the flats in Tutel when I was 11. So I'm 22 now. So 2011, we moved out with them flats in Coltry, which is an area of Ballymon. And we moved into these um, prefab built houses that he built for us. Yeah. And like that, there was no flooring. It was like you were literally standing on shards of broken wood when you walked into the house. There was nothing done to the house. It was a shell. Like my dad is a, a decorator by now, like because he has done the house so much. Yeah. He's learned the trade. So he's actually had to skim walls and rebuild the house from the inside out. And my mom has learned to trade now as well because they can't afford to be getting people in to fix the house and they're sick of waiting on DCC to come in. And I'm private renting at the moment. So even trying to get myself a home at my age, like that with Anne-Marie, I have an autistic son. So he needs a sensory room. He needs his own space. He's sleeping at the end of my bed in a little toddler bed. So I have no room. And then my daughter has her own sensory room as well. She's 11. And I was told when she was nine, I'd get my own three bedroom house and I'm still waiting. She'll be 12 now in January. So they're trying to, as Paddy said, they're trying to force the young out into private rented so that they don't have to deal with the social housing. Yeah. And it's sickening. It really is sickening knowing that I have two kids at home with additional needs that need to be like put in a proper accommodation. Like they're both a flight risk. I can't go out without my kids with me. Um, we have a big grain on the road, but they have all the pitbulls and all these big massive dogs on the way and you can't even let your kids out without them being attacked by a dog. Like we don't have a gate community. Like we're on main roads. That's what the whole estate in Hampton Wood is main roads. And they come up with the Rob Bikes and Paris in Air Sea. Like he was nearly knocked down by a bike. I have him actually here with me, but he doesn't go anywhere without me. But um, I can't actually let him out to play at all. Like a three-year-old should have occupational therapy outside. They shouldn't be left indoors all of the time. Now, the aquatic centre seems to be your favourite place to go now because it's a big, spacious place to go for kids. Yeah. And he can swim and they can do what they want in there. Yeah. But yeah, like that. We, we've mauled and everything. And even in my mum's house, they just threw the houses together. Like they're constantly painting the house, constantly, and they're wrecked hard. Now, they're nearly in their 60s. So that's how long we've been in Ballymun since I'm three years old. So I've lived through, we had to throw bleach down to get them out of the block. Like my mum used to roll down bleach and they'd all scatter. That's the only <laughs> way we could get rid of them all out of the block. Like, But no, Paddy, we'd done the small projects. And that's the only person that we'd go to during the summer was Paddy. 
he kept us alive during the summer for our parents not killing us. So he used to bring us off <laughs> uh, mm. everywhere. And he was, he was the life and soul of Ballymun. Still is. Like mm. everyone knows Paddy Hottie at this stage. But if it wasn't for him, Jesus, we'd we'd have nowhere or nothing to do. Okay. You know what I mean? We'd have we wouldn't have a life. Um, but the younger ages now have nothing. They have absolutely nothing in Ballymun. There's nothing for them. The record was from age 10 to, to 15, I think it is. And then once you're that age, you're gone. You have to find your own entertainment and they're up in the blocks, up in my estate, running in and out, smashing the blocks, setting off fire alarms, waking the kids up, they're banging down their windows because I'm on the ground floor. So you can kind of see the decline. Oh, cool. You can kind of see the decline in Ballymun now because there's no yeah. resources, there's no housing, there's nothing for any of the kids to do. We actually have to go out of Ballymun to find resources for the kids. To entertain them. See, Rory, they, they rented they rented accommodation to all the clubs that were active and older groups and everyone else. Mm. When the regeneration came in, they evicted them basically and they said, if you want a premise, you can pay 10,000 a year. Like they said to us, uh, pay 8,000 a year to run the club. Otherwise, you're closed down. They essentially but, uh, kind of commercialized it all, turned it into. Oh, they did, but the swimming pool was the same, the private houses. Yeah. And there was about 10 voluntary clubs in the old pool, which was a regular swimming pool for all the schools of the north side. And they built a leisure pool, which they told lies about, which I attacked them on as well. But the, the, it wasn't, a, it's not deep enough to, to dive in, so they couldn't use competitive swimming. But uh, as I say, we run a swimming club over nearly 40 years now. But uh, we, we actually picketed Bertie Ahern in, in the McCondas and Luke's. And he told me face to face, he said, you just go ahead. So we were the only ones that are in that pool. Only, the only voluntary group is in that pool now. And we basically forced our way in. And we're the, yeah. probably the only, nearly the only club left because we fought them. We said we, we had a a lease on the premises we had and we were not leaving that place. We could knock it down on top of us till we got a place with our own key. They were saying, well, you can rent off the record or you can have a prefab. We said, we'll have our own premises with our own key before we move. And we had a lot of backup from the community and from our past members <laughs> that they, they meant business. So they give in. So we have a state-of-the-art club now rent-free. But everyone else, uh, they'll be told, oh, we'll give up your lease and we'll give you temporary premises. But so the temporary premises was going to be demolished. And they didn't realize then that there'd be no more premises. The men's center, for example, was down in Shangan Road there. And they had uh, premises there. And I said to them, I said, don't give up. They were making this idea about health and safety. So there was an entrance and an exit out in the place. There was no no uh, case for uh, for health and safety for for closing down, but it was all bluff. And and they got yeah. uh, they got um, they agreed to move, but it wasn't long a year or two they were out of business. There's no no men. Yeah. yeah, and obviously there's a lot of talk about antisocial behaviour now, and you know young people. And then you know when you say there the resources, you know aren't there that you know the services the the things to do aren't there and then you know it. It seems there's yeah, in a yeah, way Ballymun yeah. has been abandoned in a way. Yeah, perfectly yeah. right. No, no, like the city of New Sarah's board has cut the fund by about two thirds. The the um, 
there's no like it's absolutely the bureaucracy, the guard of Eden, the child protection, the charges regulation authority, the the uh, all these things now. Like I have to put the annual accounts for the club up on the on the web for the charges regulation authority. The guard of Eden is an absolute fiasco. Yeah, uh, about twelve people asked me to help. Could they help me last year? When I give them the forms, I said, "You, you fill in forms, and then there's an intermediate body cross chair or city government service board, and they're totally inefficient. The, their staff has been halved, and and uh, if you get the, then you get a guard link, and sometimes the link doesn't even work, and it could take yeah. months and months and months to." And, and just, you're, yeah, it, well, it, you have to get duplicate, triplicate the thing. And it's not worth the paper is written on it. Peter Fells can go in and get data clearance if, it's, if there's no record on the police computer. And it's just jobs for the boys. They've destroyed the cross here. And, and uh, City w, I said it to City W Sayers, but I said, you used to be supportive and understanding. I said, now you're threatening and aggressive. You'll get two years in jail if we find anyone on that. Or you'll get... That's just what This is the sort of talk was coming from. Yeah. I said, the user lost their way. I said, that's, that's not what users User set up to encourage and support uh, people to get involved in, in helping their community. And now you're working against them. They're doing everything they can to stop any services for young people I, or anybody, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, that's the reality. So this is why we need Chatter to really... Uh, build and build. It's well, it's not just Ballymun. The whole nation mm-hmm. needs to get up on their feet, off of their knees, and start fighting back and and get people to join up and support and get a bit of weight behind us and, and to make changes. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe Linda and Natasha come in on that. You know, kind of Katu and how it's been working there in I, Ballymun. I. I have been a Dublin City Council um, tenant for the last 24 years. I came from the flats. So when I was told I was getting a house, I wanted to purchase a house straight away because it would have been the only chance that I would have actually able to get on the property matter, uh, ladder. So basically we went over, we, got, we received the keys of the house. I went over, I got the papers to purchase the house. And the following week I realised it was an awful sewerage smell. So decided not to purchased a house until the problem was solved. I'm now 14 years in my house. I've had breast cancer. My kids are going around feeling nauseated all the time. Um, I went to Dublin City Council constantly for the first, I don't know, many years, fighting and fighting and fighting. They sent out cameras. They've sent out shunts. They've sent out engineers. They've sent out everybody and nothing, nothing. They can't solve this problem. So when Katu knocked at me door there last year, I was kind of basically saying, ah, oh, here we go. But Wendy said, no, listen, we, we're going to fight Dublin City Council to repair our homes and do this. So I decided to do a few door knocks myself. Yeah. And all the neighbours beside me, they've all got loads of problems with the houses, down to meld, broken windows. Sure, I had an, a window that was hanging by a hinge. And I rang them and I said, listen, you need to send somebody over because if that lands on one of my kids in the front garden, I would be suing you. So they sent the the carpenter over. He opened and closed the window and off he went. So I came home, opened the window. The window fell onto the windowsill. And I rang them and I said, did you send Stevie Wonder over to fix my window? Because 
the window's not working. You know, it's it's still broke. Yeah. So he had to send them back over. But as I said, when it comes to the sewerage now, it is very bad. I have plugins. I have I when I had cancer, I had a double mastectomy. I was lying on a sofa for six weeks. But when you see how near the shore is under me sitting room window, it's like I counted three steps and that's how close the shore is. My shores are not blocked. They're not. So the smell is not coming from the shores being over blocked. They haven't overflowed or anything. It's just a very bad, constant smell of sewerage. You can actually taste it when you're getting out of your car to go to your house. So basically I was running amok. I joined Katu and now they're actually starting to listen to me. Yeah. So after how many years? 14 years. But yeah, my husband is too old now. They're not going to give me a mortgage because I've had breast cancer. I'm actually paying 200 and something euros a week rent. And yeah, they've put me into arrears because when my mother was terminally ill, I didn't get over with pay slips and, you know, all the information that you're yeah. supposed to. So with me not working and the husband barely working at the time, they put 5,000 euro onto me account. And then I heard in that terms of arrears. Yeah, they weren't yeah. Uh, repairing anybody's homes that had rent arrears, which yeah. I think is disgraceful because yeah, no, it, at one stage when I was in my flat, I used to go regularly over to Dublin City Council and collect checks off them because I was overpaying my rent because I never wanted to fall behind because I wanted yeah. to purchase my house. And I knew this wouldn't stand if I was in arrears. So they basically put me into arrears. I'm still fighting for them to repair the house. <laughs> And they haven't. It's so. utter, it's utterly disgraceful. Like uh, someone who's, you know, sick and ill and they say we're not doing repairs because you're in arrears. There is, but they've also went and put another. We got down to 800 euros, myself and my husband, and they went and put another 5,000. So that is 15 years of a mortgage I would have paid. I would have had paid off. That's 10,000 euro that they've took from me now. So that would have went off my deposit. And then they arrived at my door there about four weeks ago with an engineer and the head of allocation. And she handed me the form to purchase my house. And I said, well, if you are in that meeting with us, you would have realized that every time I got a deposit up to buy the house, I ended up putting it into the house. I've put 140,000 into my house since I've moved in. And now I have to walk away from it because I said, I can't stay in it any longer. So the engineer said, I can't sort that smell. And I said, so you're telling me this after 14 years. So now basically where I'm at now is I'm going to see Mercy's Law and I'm actually going to sue Dublin City Council now for leaving me. If they'd have told me at the very beginning, I'm sorry, we can't sort this problem. I could have moved on. I could have had 14 years of a mortgage paid. So now they've really messed us up. So now I'm just going for the juggler. I've walked into people's homes. All my neighbours have invited me in and said, look at the state of our homes. Now, my home is not in a state, thank God. The windows are all rotten, okay. The sewerage problem, okay. But if you'd seen some of these people's homes, one lady, she's these, on a frame. These, just, these homes are not old. No, these homes are only 14 years old. They're the same ages. They're the same, like, built as my home. But yeah. one woman said it was Christmas Eve and her whole ceiling came in on top of her. Yes, sir. And Dublin City Council sent up a plaster four months later, not like the next day, four months later, they sent a plaster up to fix our ceiling. 
And yet we've brought all these issues to Dublin City Council and they're trying to make it out. Oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. I've lived in Ballymun all my life and I'm telling you now, it is a sham what they've done. BRL, they said BRL, you know, when I was going over complaining, Dublin City Council was saying, oh, it was BRL that, you know, you have the problem with. Yeah, it was BRL that made the houses. It was BRL. This, So I turned around and I said, well, it's not BRL that I'm paying me renting. It's Dublin City Council. So you need to solve the problem because if you don't solve the problem, who else is going to do it? Do I stop paying me rent now? If I stopped paying me rent, I'd be out on the street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's really, you know, just... The extent of the problem and across, you know, the city, um, and I know it's not just this city because in um, in terms of Dublin, it's also Cork as well um, and public housing across the country. Jack, you wanted to come back in there. Yeah, I suppose like this, this is it. And and looking at the, the both branches from, from Ballymun and Fingers yeah, yeah. and from Drimna and Crumlin, the, the campaigns were started around door knocking uh, tenants in public housing blocks on their maintenance and their conditions that they're facing and you'll see a multitude of of different things f- coming back from tenants uh on on paperwork and and mainly what what is coming from that is your door knocking as, as people have said you're offering a toolkit you're not offering offering advocacy you're not offering you're not campaigning for for an election or or anything like that you're a tenants union and a local based tenant organization in the area and based across the country that's looking to collect the voice tenant issues in working class communities across the country to directly put the issue back at the, at the hands of the landlord responsible for taking care of these properties. And the response that Ballymun and Finglas have gotten and Trimna uh, tenants have also gotten is, you know, there's no public workers really to fix these issues. It's it's private companies coming out to fix these issues and they could arrive at your doorstep at, you know, at one o'clock in the day when you're at work or there's nobody really to pick up on anything. And and these issues have been going on for, for quite a long time. And I suppose we're starting to see the fact that everything and all the work that's being done in Dava House currently is not being done from the local Ballyfermot depot. The the work that's been pressured to put to get the grass cut are maintenance workers from the north side of Dublin. There's nobody in the local depot in Ballyfermot uh, to come out and do the work. And if they have, I don't think anybody in Dava House have met, has met them. Um, obviously, the caretaking staff are split between multiple uh, flat blocks in the area so that's fallen down so the, the, it's 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 a reason it's again it's understaffing and underfunding and and with a billion under underspent on housing there's just no excuses but the gains are being made since uh i suppose the the tenants have formed a committee in Ballymun and Finglas, you start to see the pickup and reaction from Dublin City Council when an article is put out or tenants go to DCC and when they start taking collective action, these are when gains are starting to be made. In David specifically, you know, they've come out, they've started to put vents in, uh, you know, tenants never ask for vents, but it's probably because you have to legally have these vents in your home and they weren't put in David homes. And they wanted coincidentally to do a survey on ventilation in six weeks, probably after all the vents were put in. 
these quick fixes like mold paint and, and different things aren't actually going to fix the issue when you have broken windows, broken doors, no insulation in your flat block. These are things that DCC have neglected for a long time and they're sitting on their hands. And it is not just DCC's fault. Again, it's it's the fault of the, the housing department and the government who successfully done this year in and year out. And it's culpable at any stage and, and to say that it's all intertwined. DCC, we, the union, Cathy, will gladly go to the to, to local government or to, to the housing department with DCC and propose a business plan for them to actually get the money that they need to put into public housing blocks because the amount of oversight is just uncanny and yeah. it's not just Drimnet and it's not just Ballymun but yeah, it's the it's north across. inner city and it's everywhere but yeah. I suppose the, the campaign started in March of this year with petitions and door knocks and now there's a poster on every window in Dava House and we're we're into our third meeting now with DCC staff tomorrow. Uh, an assessment has been done of two of the two blocks to basically tell tenants in Dava House if they're a priority for the demands that they've uh, put across for blocks that have been built in the late 50s. Like this should have been done years ago Absolutely. and now still Absolutely. with an underspend, they're yeah. saying, well, see if you're a priority to get insulation, new doors and windows and, and your gates fixed for an ambulance service that can't access it. So yeah. tomorrow, I suppose, David reps from Katu and union members will go into a meeting with the head of housing of DCC, the head of maintenance and uh, councillors from the area, and they'll have a discussion based on it. But this this is it. And and it's what happens. We've seen it successfully uh, all the way up 50 years ago and on. The history of tenants organising in this country is strong and it's integrated in working class communities. And all people need to do is get together with a body, with a tenants union. That is Katu and have a conversation about what their collective issues are. And once the collective issues are addressed, people's individual issues will also come out of the woodwork there because getting your issues fixed is what's important. And DCC are your landlord and they cannot ignore you. They have to fix these things. Yeah. So. Well, listen, Jack, very well put. I just uh, want to give it Does Juliana want to come in there. I'm conscious she hasn't uh, Can I just finish up on Jack's before doing Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, she, she, she said she's fine. Yeah, and <laughs> um, basically where he was saying with yeah, right. landlords, when issues happen in a private setting, in a tenant setting, yeah, in yeah. private renting, the landlords try and bully the tenant out of it to fix their problems. So yeah. I got on to Iris Kennedy. He's actually over the head of all the DCC. He's actually the main man. I got on to him about the issue. And he actually told me to get onto the RTB. If I have any rent issues or issues with any former landlord, it could be DCC, it could be a private landlord, you can get onto the PRTB. And they can open a dispute for you to help you with issues that you have in the home. Now, it could be any issues. It could be leaks, it could be carbon, it could be rent, it could be antisocial behaviour. It could be anything. Even if you had damage in the home and I had to pay, and he didn't refund me, I had to get onto the RTB. So that's what I did. And to find out that I actually wasn't registered under my accommodation with the RTB. He hadn't registered me for 10 years. The landlord, the private landlord. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had tried to fight him for the property that I'm currently living in, yes, it's okay. Two seconds, baby. I know, I know. Um, So if you can cut that little part out, if you like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. so basically, I found out through the RTB that I actually was never registered underneath this tenancy. 
with them. Yeah. Yeah. So after opening the whole can of worms, so I would advise anyone that is even DCC have to register you underneath the PRTB as a tenant of the um, tenancy, and so does private landlords because they are a landlord and they have to make sure that you're covered under the RTB. And if you even ring threshold to see if you're actually under the RTB, they can actually give you a better advice than anyone in DCC. Like threshold have been my lifeline as well as catch you. If I hadn't met these guys, I would have gotten nowhere. I wouldn't yeah. have even got a social housing form filled out. I wouldn't have been hurt. So it does work. It does help. Like Paddy pulled me on the street one day and said, they're having a meeting outside Ballymun Civic Centre. And if I hadn't went to that, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't be a chairperson for Ballymun with um, Jupiter and Juliana and the rest of the guys. Like, it's just amazing what work that can be done, especially yeah, with door knocking. Door knocking is essential, but the callbacks are even more essential. Like some people will do door knocking and then me... And Jupiter do the callbacks because we enjoy doing the calls and some people like doing the door knocking. So it's just more about getting members on your um on your side, trying to get people to meetings and getting their voice heard. Because once they feel comfortable in the facility, they feel comfortable going and then they'll tell more people about the union. So that's another thing we've been working towards here in Ballymun. We're trying to branch out. Yeah. Towards Fingless even more than Ballymun. And also, what another issue we do have with Dublin City mm. Council is I have numerous friends that are in four bedroom, uh, two story houses that are willing to give them up to get a one bedroom apartment because they can't afford to run a big house like that. And mm. Dublin City Council will not like give them, say, OK, I'll tell you what, we'll take you out and we'll fit a nice big family into that house. Yeah. There's a girl that actually lives across the road. She's in a four-bedroom house and there's an apartment straight across. And I asked Dublin City Council, why can't you not? If people are struggling to run a home like that, why can't you not say, well, okay, we'll take that house off you and we'll give you that little small one-bedroom. But they won't even do that because of people being in arrears or, you know, whatever issues they have. Yeah, back to the issue you raised before about the arrears and how that, that system just stops so many things happening um listen we we could go on and you've really i think explained it very well juliana do you want to come in there and just in terms of katu and i suppose the importance and kind of your reflections on the work you've been doing and the campaigning and the importance of katu and organizing um yeah i think uh we uh started uh, working uh quite uh, like two years ago and uh, to build uh, like this group where we are at uh, and uh, yeah I, I i was in different areas before working with different housing groups and i could see like a really good energy in Ballymore of people really want to do the things collectively and i think an example of this is like we have four people in this in this podcast like yeah. together we have the child the children like because that's like the spirit here you know like people uh, get on board and wants to do together so like uh, and this is very important because we go to the dcc and they tell us that no we are going to deal with each case individually and we know that this is a way of breaking people because then they are able to make the person think that the problem is themselves uh you know that's so this kind of guilty playing it's some like very strong weapon of a uh, landlord and this is as a social housing um Landlords. So as we are building, I think collectively, I think people feel more like stronger to, yeah, to get on board and, and do the things. And we have been, I think, growing because of this that Ballymun still has. Yeah. And if I can go, 
if I can Absolutely. go on a little bit more. Um, I think, um, as people mentioned before, the stigmatization of Balimun, uh, I think everyone can see from, can hear from my accent. I'm not uh, originally from Balimun, but, uh, I am, I feel that I'm like a member of this community and I always feel very good. So it's also very problematic for me, uh, as a migrant person when I hear as well, bring from people from Balimun be stigmatized like, uh, as racist, uh, this kind of things, because I think it's another strategy of a state uh, to, to marginalize people. Because once we place people in these positions, uh, everyone's going to look at them and say like, ah, this is just people that's being racist. This is just people that don't take care of their own house. But no, this is like people that have been struggling for years and they are being stigmatized. And now we're going to know pitching against each other. But like, that's not the spirit in Bali Moon. That's not what I have been experienced. So I also would like to say this mm-hmm. because uh, I really like the members around, uh, from this union. Yeah, and as well, the, the old people, they're basically saying as well, Rory, like that, they have to email. Me, myself, I am brutal with emails. I don't know. I'm not great with technology. So how would they expect the elderly people to get on and email them their complaints? Like, is ridiculous, you know, and then they're, yeah. they're opened from nine to one during the day. So, geez, yeah. by the time the old people from Poplintree gets down to Dublin City Council, the offices are closed for complaints or anything like that, you know? So yeah. they have to ring up and make appointments and all. It's it's just, they are an absolute, they're an absolute shower. And I, I don't care what anybody says. I'm dealing with Dublin City Council for 24 years. I locked the head of antisocial and I locked the head of Dublin City Council in a flat in Ballymun because I had so many issues and I said to him, you're going to sit here and you're going to hear me out because I have had my home destroyed by people living over me. And I said, Dublin City Council will come up and write a check and say, look, at this is what we have for you. But never, they never repair what they're supposed to be doing. The, 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 the place in Ballymun has just gone to the dogs now because of Dublin City Council. They think that the people of Ballymun, you know, should be grateful that we've been given these rundown houses that have been thrown up. Because we come from Ballymun. As I said, I take pride in my home. I put whatever, every penny that I've had into my home now to walk away because they have a sewerage problem. Now, the sewerage problem is not only my house. It's all over Ballymun. It's in the local shops. It's in the local um, places, the houses, everywhere. There's a very bad sewerage problem. And they know it's going to cost millions, but they can't be honest with us and say, look, we can't sort the problem now. We're working on sorting the problem. But they yeah. can't because they be only lying. Yeah. Well, it, it you know the extent of the problem you've highlighted there in terms of the housing issues, the sewerage from David House to Ballymun. Um, as I said, we could do multiple podcasts and a lot more yeah. on this. But um, you're clearly very, very determined. Um, and it is great to see the coming together of tenants. Um, and organized by Katu and fair play to Katu for the work. Uh, Jack and Juliana and all the others involved. Um, in bringing this forward, it really is um, yeah. so important. And, you know, as you're showing, you're bringing these issues to light where they've been ignored for so long and people have been ignored. And that's so important, as Jack mentioned earlier, the the action by, you know, residents themselves and tenants themselves being empowered to go, look, why do we have to accept this? You shouldn't have to accept it. Um, 
and the stigmatization and actually challenging you do have a right to decent homes um, and challenging the council. So best of luck with it. And I look forward to hearing um, more great results in the coming months. And we will uh, love to have you all back again and chat and see how things are going. So thank you so much. Um, uh, No joy. Because we'd probably be all locked up by the time you get to see us again, <laughs> protesting, chaining ourselves to the railings. <laughs> I'll, I'll meet you outside the CCJ when my court case comes up. <laughs> Very good. More power to you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we want to see. Uh, lots of protests, lots of rattling the cages and uh, getting the changes. So listen, yeah. uh, thanks to everyone for taking part. Thanks so much. Thank if you. you want to check out Katu, um, it's I the website. I know there's a website. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But if you Google Katu Community Action Tenants Union, I'm sure it'll come up um, and you'll be able to get involved. There's branches across the country have been set up. Really important. As um, Jack set out from the outline um, from the outset, uh, supporting tenants across the board, public housing tenants, private rental tenants, um, and those who are in home ownership, but building communities and building solidarity uh, for a right to housing, decent housing for everyone. Check it out. Um, thank you so much to everyone for taking part. Really enjoyed that. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. <laughs>